This was a fun one. September 14th, I talked to comedian Carl Strong. Carl is a career cruise ship comedian, but has a heart of gold. And we had a great conversation. Five, four, three. What's up, friends? What's up, friends? We're back. But why not? But why not? Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hang out. Cool. This is your wife. That's my wife, yeah. Look like you're 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm older than you. Are you older than you? Yeah. Oh my. I don't mean that literally, but you just yeah. look young. You know. You're alive. Oh, sweet. Cool. What's up, friends? We are here with Carl Strong. Carl is from Oshkosh, originally from Milwaukee. Comedian, entertainer. Just did a couple shows here in the Valley. Yeah. And hoping to get back to cruise ships. Cruise ships and other uh, some casinos that work right now. And I'm not the only entertainer in this situation. It's just because of the pandemic. But, uh, but my goal would be to get back to ships. I really didn't understand how wonderful my job was, but I've been off since March 8th to right. now. And now... <laughs> I'm never complaining again. <laughs> I'm never because when it, when you, when you're when you live like I live and yeah. and, and you you're, you're living on time. I got enough time to do this. I got to get to the airport. I got to make sure the car's ready. I got to get the clothes ready. Got to flip the wardrobe depending on who I'm working for. Am I opening yeah. for somebody or am I headlining? If I'm on the ship, sometimes I get orchestras behind me because I sing and dance as good as I do comedy. Yeah. So then that's another wardrobe. Then you got to have all that together, and then you get there, and people. Who don't travel don't get it right you know it looks it sounds like wow he's he's on <laughs> his way to Cozumel Mexico and he's gonna do Zipata and he's gonna be in all these wonderful places but they don't tell you about the traveling and the waiting in the airport and the plan yeah then getting on the ship is quite a process too you know just walk right on the ship you got to go through some things where you get on the ship but I am excited that hopefully they'll come back sometime between November and February Ships have to come back like airplanes have to come back. Slow. The thing about a cruise ship is there's a crew on it. You can't just set it. You know, like you set a boat out in the water, we'll be back. You can't yeah. do that with a cruise ship. Yeah. Every, it has to be continuously running. It has to, things have to happen. Yeah. So when they can make it safe, because I'm not just going to come back just because they want me to come back. Right. We need to have it safe. Uh, we need, they need to give me a complete plan on how they plan to operate. So what was the last show you played leading up to that? Was it like really Mar close? Was March, it like, holy cow, this is weird? Or? Oh my God. Well, March 8th, I thought I wasn't going to get off the ship because mm -hmm. the pandemic really had hit. Mm -hmm. And so they held several ships in Miami. You, I don't know if you was watching TV. They wouldn't let them dock. Yeah. A ship is fun if you stopping and getting off and going to these islands and get back on and have some fun. But if you stuck on a ship for more, and they was on for like three weeks, almost a month. It's not the same. So I was blessed that I got off the day they shut it down. Okay. I got off on that day. Is it, so, did everybody get off the same day every, as you? Everybody who was traveling with passenger-wise, okay. they got off. Okay, Here's nice. another thing, too. They had to let a lot of entertainers go. You know, there's mm -hmm. no need to have a piano bar if nobody's there to listen to it. Right. You don't need to have a comedy show. No need to have these bands and you some wonderful entertainers on cruise ships. I always say that a lot of unknown superstars are on cruise ships. I bet. Yeah, because if you can't hit out here in the world, you need to find a place that's going to pay you well. Right. Um, Consistency. A place that you love and a place where you got a built-in audience. That's yep. the thing about a cruise ship. The other thing is that, for from a comic standpoint, yeah, if they come to you, generally a comic will do three, four shows, maybe five shows, at the least one or two. If they come to your first show and you ain't funny, you in that place by yourself for the rest of the week. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah, I bet. You're not coming, man. It, because it, it spreads like wildflower. Wild, right. Wildfire. If, if, they, uh, if they, come, like, they come to my show, I only need half of, half of them to come. And then I know the next show is going to be packed. Yep. So it, it, it plays a role, how you yeah. present yourself. You got to bring the energy right away. You got to bring the energy. You got to bring the fire. And the reason why... I love, my best thing that I love about cruise ships is when they first get on. I love that show. That's one of my best shows. i tell you why. Because I know how they feel. See, people who are going on vacation, right. they've been packing. See, they got clothes. They're they ready. They done went and bought a whole lot of crap they ain't even yep. going to use. 
and and they don't know where to go yet. Yeah, They're no, like, oh, they we're just the, going to the show. They got the right. pamphlets and the brochures. It's really funny if you've never if you've never cruised before. But even in that, it's a lot of comedy in that because yeah. everybody ain't happy coming to the ship. People right. are arguing. The hardest night is the night before because people are yelling, you shut up, you shut up. Who you think you're talking to? You're going to spend all the money before we get here because you know women, they're going to keep buying and they keep buying stuff and you need, and you getting mad. Then yeah. if you driven instead of flown, you're in the car with the family. Uh, That's a fun trip. Yep, for sure. <laughs> I haven't so, I haven't done a cruise since I was haven't? like 12. So, oh, no, you got to. I remember it. Very different now. Yeah, I bet. This is before Katrina. This is right before Katrina, oh, actually. Man. Yeah. Oh, a lot man. of stuff changed since yeah. then. I, um, cruise ships now are so, they, they're built so different now. Sure. They've got louvers. These are things like, I call them, um, what? Fins or uh, something? They're like fins of a dolphin. They go into the water and they lift the ship up. So uh, you don't have a whole lot of rocking now. They'll pull off from a port you're at. Let's say you're in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. or you're in Jamaica. They'll pull off for a port, and you, if you sleep, you won't even know you're in the middle of the sea. Yeah. you wake up and look out the window and go, where did we leave? It's <laughs> nice. not a whole lot of that stuff. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So into like making it as an entertainer and yeah. the best entertainers you you know are are hidden on these ships yeah. how did you get into entertainment and um we'll kind of build that up to i kind of i'm kind of familiar with yeah your kind of big break i i you know what i started out in college actually i went to uw whitewater whitewater was nice. i'm an all-american defensive back so nice. i went there to play football and after the third year i got into it with the defensive back coach do you watch them now I quit no i don't even watch oh, them. They're, i been, know they're good they've been good yeah they've been good yeah so they would get good when i leave so <laughs> right. i i started to go to a thing called open mic night mm -hmm. and a guy came to me a white guy came to me he said would you write me some material it's a lot of brothers and sisters there and i want everybody to laugh that's really that's how you should think you should yeah. be trying to entertain the audience. You don't get to pick who you go entertain. So I wrote him some stuff. Now at this time I'm not performing yet. I'm just I'm a writer. So I'm, you're like 19, 20, 21, I'm somewhere 21, in there. Something sure. like that. And I write out some wonderful stuff that will make all of them laugh and they'll play off he could play off of it. Yeah. I didn't know he wasn't a real comic. Sure. So I go to the show, I'm sitting in the back, I'm drinking beer. You know, college. I'm, yeah. I'm two shots. I'm lit before he gets there because he's gonna do my stuff. Yeah. And he comes out and I don't think I've ever seen anybody bomb. <laughs> I mean bomb. You've been yeah. you've seen comics who they you've seen comics who are trying and it ain't working, and you've seen comics that you just go, you, you need to get off. You, oh yeah. You, oh my God. We and, yeah. We go to the open mic night in town yeah. and yeah, there's open been those mic times. Is fun. Oh for sure. That's fun. That's Any, you, anything can happen. Right? Anything yeah. can happen. <laughs> and your friends are there and you got a lot of support. That changes yeah. when you get into the real thing and right. you're getting paid. So he blows the material. Yep. He throws the paper down, he looks at me, and he says, this stuff is no good. I'm drunk now, I'm drunk. I get up, I pick the paper up. I ain't got no style, no nothing, no nothing. Yeah. All I do is read from the paper. <laughs> and I read, I, I wrote a, a page and a half of stuff. Sure. And when I looked up, everybody was going nuts. <laughs> and I, I don't mean they were going nuts. Yeah. And that was all I had. And they kept saying, do some more, do some more. I, I, I wrote this, I ain't got no more. Yeah. But the place that was that was handling the open mic, yeah, they wanted me to come back and be a host. Nice. So every week I would go back and do do the opening, introduce people. But now this is my first lesson, and you can't use the same material. Yeah, I'm using the same stuff, same stuff. By now, people waiting for me to get off so they can see. Yeah, and that was a good lesson for me. That was a good lesson for me, but that's how I got started. So how do you approach that now? Do you just have like such a repertoire that you can pull from? Kind of. I, 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 I have different books of comedy depending on where I'm at. Sure. My, my personal best comedy is a PG show where I can be suggestive but not over the top. Sure. No F-bombs. Yeah. I can be real and I'm talking to real adults. Mm-hmm. If I'm working for children, that's another show, but I got a show right. for them, but you have to pay me for that show because that's a hard show to do. <laughs> uh, one of my, another one of my favorite shows is I like working for older people. I'm okay. old school, I'm 64. Okay. I've been doing this for 34 years. Yeah. I love old school people because they're mellow. They're a great audience. They're just glad they're there. Right. 
and I can get because as a comic, you follow your life. That's your best writing for yeah. me. Following my life when I was doing colleges, I was a wild party guy. That was my comedy was sex, drugs, rock and roll. Right. And then you, I became uh, an opening act for people, and I had to curtail the material to whoever the act was. You can't do the same thing for Smokey Robinson that you're gonna do for Lou Rawls. You can't do the Temptations with Gladys Knight, not knowing they hate each other. So you got to be careful. Uh, you sure. really have to be careful. Yeah. So. So. Sorry to just turn here, no, no, but no. you're talking about opening for like huge music. That's acts. how I got started in the in that level of comedy. Was, this is a whole nother level of comedy. This is no comedy clubs. It's just opening for for uh, superstars. Okay, so how, how did you get to that? How did you get from uh, hosting the open mic to opening for these superstars? Well, let me tell you, there's a little process in there. First. I'm hosting this open mic on college. Then I quit comedy because I said I ain't funny. I thought I <laughs> sure. still don't think I'm funny, but people do. And so people started calling me. Wow. Ronnie Laws, Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, Smokey Robinson, and the Miracle. They would call me because they heard of this little. I was a little skinny guy. I was smaller than her. <laughs> I was a little guy, but I was clean cut and I could work clean. A lot of comics couldn't work clean. Okay. You know, I don't have to go on stage, use yeah. none of that stuff. Yep. And they liked it. And so they would, uh, somebody would tear me on to somebody. And then the theater started liking me. So nice. I would start playing. To Milwaukee, what is that theater? Pabst? No, the one, it's the, it's right on the water. What? Riverside. R okay. Riverside Theater. Nice. They really liked me. Nice. And uh, I got to know the family of the people who own it. Some Ital Italian group of people, wonderful people at the time. Mm -hmm. Didn't know they was mobsters. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know. I didn't know. And every time somebody came to town, I opened for them. And so I, it caught on. Okay. My biggest break opening was I was in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm in, uh, they have a double facility. It's a small comedy club in the back. Sits about 100 people. And they run that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, two shows a night. Mm -hmm. Then they have a big room, a theater room. And the night that I was there, the opening act for that was supposed to be there in the theater with the main act didn't show up. It's funny how breaks come. Because mm -hmm. I'm headlining in the other room, there are three guys going on before me. I had enough time to open for that act and come back and do my show. Mm -hmm. They paid me $1,100 to open, but I had worked all week for these other people for eight fifty. <laughs> sure. No. As a headliner. Each no, I'm just the opening act. But, but like as the headliner you were getting paid eight fifty for a whole week. Yes. I'm a new headliner. I'm just getting in the headliner. Right. Yeah. Right. So they was paying me eight it's the weekend, it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. So and it was good money back then. It was good. Yeah. I just drive right up to Minneapolis, no big deal. Yeah. They put you in a beautiful hotel room. Nice. I find out, I don't know who I'm opening for. I just heard $1,100. Yeah. <laughs> now, not just $1,100 for the whole night, $1,100 for each show. She did two shows. Nice. The person I'm talking about is Gladys Knight and yeah. the Pips. So That's crazy. if somebody would have told me, <laughs> if somebody would have told me one day you're going to be one of the Pips, I would have never believed it. If they would have told me that in high school or uh, 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 secondary school, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah, so then, well, so uh, we, we had talked on the phone. You told me that you kind of followed them around for a little bit. Well, they, what, what happened that night, we, I do the shows and they like me. Mm -hmm. um, then I, I ended up opening for them all weekend. They're there all weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, Friday and Saturday they're there. And I opened four shows, and they left, and they said, we're going to Milwaukee next. If you can follow us in your car, we'll let you open. So I told you, of course. I'm telling my man, hey, you got to get somebody else. I'm gone. Yeah. So I followed them in my car, two big buses, one for the band and one for Gladys Knight and the Pips. I'm in my car. We go from Minneapolis to Milwaukee, from Milwaukee to Chicago, from Chicago to Detroit, mm -hmm. from Detroit to Cleveland. My car breaks down. Dang. Cleveland. Car breaks down. I'm rolling. I'm making money for yeah. the first time. And the car breaks down. I thought that was the end of that. I thanked them and they understood. Yeah. They just didn't have any room for me on the bus. Yeah. Uh, but this could, was. Could you not get your car fixed fast enough? No, nah, no. That sure. I, matter of fact, I ended up staying there three days. I okay. mean, I had burnt the engine. I had an old uh, Cadillac. Sure. What did I have then? A Volvo Cadillac? I had something. Sure. Uh, something that had to be technically fixed. But here was the thing about. 
two weeks later, I get a call from her manager, mm -hmm. who later became my manager, Mr. Jimmy Newman. Oh, nice. And he calls me, and I think somebody's playing a joke on me. <laughs> he says, you know, I'm Jimmy Newman, Gladys Knight and Pips, we want to come down and talk to you. Mm -hmm. He has to fly from uh, Las Vegas, where they live, to Milwaukee. Did did you have singing in your act back then? I didn't have as much singing in my act back then, but okay. now I, I'm, a, I'm a dancer, I'm a choreographer, so I always yeah. had a little bit of that, okay. but not like I do now. Okay. When I first started doing stand-up, I was loyal to stand-up. Okay. I don't need no music to bring yeah. me, let's go. Boom, 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 that boom, That makes boom. sense. But when you get on a ship and you start doing uh, shows that are bigger than you, yeah. and you're on a stage, 50, 60, 70-foot stage, you need to... You, you got a light crew, you might as well use them. If they're going to yeah. give you a band, you might as well use them. Every comic can't do that, don't yeah. I'm So I mix comedy with the music. It's a yeah. comedy and music show. Kind of like a Sammy Davis Jr. show. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. So so the manager um, Jimmy meets Newman. you. Yeah. He flies into Milwaukee. I pick him up. I take him out to dinner. While we're talking dinner, his mother, Gladys Knight, is putting together a new album. She's going to go on a new tour called okay. Love Overboard. And that was the name of the song, Love Overboard. And it hit number one in the charts. Okay. Love Overboard and love, Loving on Next to Nothing. That was really a super hit. Okay. The groove was good. The hit was good. Yeah. So they said, we want you to open. And so now I'm on the tour bus with Gladys Knight and the Pips, and I'm in shock. Yeah. Because I can't believe. For and sure. you find out that there are people just like you. Yep. I tell you an interesting story. One time we were on a tour bus, and Gladys Knight, now she's, she's a queen. Mm -hmm. She's at the level of an Aretha or something. She dropped some, what is these things you guys drink? <laughs> um, like a seltzer? No, a it's, seltzer, it's coffee beer? and something else. It's latte or something. Oh. <laughs> you know, some freaked out. Sure, she drops it. Or something. All of us are on the bus. We all jump to clean it up, and she makes us stop. She makes us stop. Very firmly. She says, no, no, get back. I got this. No, I don't need no help. I dropped it. And that was surreal. Here's a lady that she shouldn't be touching nothing dirty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're not, my, it's, it's like this. When I was with him, when it was fun, it was fun. Yeah. And when it went bad, it went bad. Sure. Yeah. That's interesting. So how old were you during that time? Oh, God, I don't know. I'm 30s, 40s. 30s, uh, 40s. In there. But here was the thing. Working for her stopped my other business. People didn't want me to open for them no more because of her. Not because a bad thing. They respected Gladys Knight, so they didn't want to use her act. Really? And it made me mad because I was like, you know, when she's at home and they ain't working, I should be able to go out to Temptations. Sure. Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle is the one who told me that. She said, baby, the reason I, I want to use you, and she always says, baby, baby, the reason I can't use you, Gladys' act. I don't want her to think I'm still in her act. Wow. I didn't know. Yeah. And so I ended up being with Gladys Knight and the Pips for 13 years. And uh, I've been all over the show. I've opened the show. I've been in the middle of the show. Uh, for a while, her voice was bothering her. So I had to come out and do music with the band to okay. give her a break to change clothes and get. And, and they would do something, tea and honey, to yep. her throat. Yeah. So I've been all over the show. But, but being a Pip, I think, was a big thing because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect them to say, Carl, come over here, stand next to her, Bubba Knight, and y'all going to put these moves together and this is what y'all gonna do yeah luckily i could do it though but that was a good time that's really cool so so you had been opening for people then you started opening for gladys and it was like okay almost yeah. done with that yeah okay and when we say opening for people i don't mean just r&b i've worked for uh three dog night sunblind vixen i've worked for um kenny loggins uh, Kenny Rogers <laughs> sure. uh, in, in, in Illinois. I worked for, I wish I could say this guy's name. I worked for Pinkerton Bowden. I mean, I worked for a lot of people, but R&B acts like me a lot. I can't even name all the acts. I'm blessed because all the groups that I loved growing up, I was able to open for them. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who was like, I don't know. I guess that's a stupid question. No, it's who, not. Who, Everybody's got Who was the best? People. Yeah, like. They're all great in their own. Who's the best performer? Let's go with that. Rather Gregory, than Gregory Hines. Okay. Gregory Hines is a tap dancer. I don't know if you know who Gregory no. Hines is. Uh, he had some hit songs. He was a wonderful tap dancer, but he sung really good. He, yeah. He died not too long ago. Young, died young. But Dang. Gregory Hines was one of the nicest, one of the coldest performers I saw. But I've seen some bad people though. Sure. Um, the 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 very best entertainer I've seen perform 
is David Ruffin of the Temptations. Okay. There is no, he's legendary. Sure. There will be no other David Ruffin. You know, uh, he man ran into some misfortune. Sure. And that people don't understand that about entertainment. People don't understand that. Some a lot of stars, you know how they get stuck on drugs, trying to get on stage. You're on tour. You tired. You in the back of the I've I've been there. I can't hardly open my eyes. We just left. Boom, 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 sure. boom. We stopping at truck stops. So you do like stimulants <laughs> or something to keep going. No, here's the thing. One night something is hurting. But like my knee started bothering me. Yeah. And somebody always comes in the dressing room and says, hey, take this. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And at first you say no. You go, no, no. The people are screaming. They got, these people came to see you. You've got to get out here. You just take just, okay, I'm going to take this a little bit right now. And then sure. I'm going to get myself together. Yeah. Then the next night you take some. You're feeling better. You're performing better. You're back to where you think you are. So you think. Yeah. But the problem is each time you need a little more. Yep. Next thing you know, it's all crazy. Yeah, and then you want it when you're not well, performing. Well, no, now maybe. you're missing appointments. You ain't showing up for shows. You're not the same person on stage. Now you're high. Sure. And so I didn't want to be one of those acts. I was blessed. I, I was. Whenever something grabs me, whether whether it was drinking or partying uh, of any kind, nothing came before the comedy. Mm. So that's what saved me. I, I got so busy gigging, I didn't have time because I had to go. No, man, I can't do that. I can't yeah. come over there. I got to go to work in the morning. Does does comedy grab you in that way? Almost like in like, like, in an addictive way. Like I'm like exciting. Oh my that god! Way. When you figure out, I think one of the most powerful things that happens to a comic is when he first realizes he's funny, not when he thinks he's funny. The first time he's on stage and mm -hmm. he's got him in the palm of his hands, mm -hmm. it's such a powerful feeling. You don't get that all the time, and so a lot of young comics they think they're gonna get that all the time. You're not. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm a very different person than the person you're sitting here talking to now. Once I'm on stage, right. but I'm at a level where I can turn it on right now and turn it right off. Yeah. But I'm the Michael Jordan of comedy in terms of I've messed up so many shows. Sure. <laughs> I've missed so many shots. Right. I've missed layups. I've missed dunks <laughs> right. right in the rim and right. blew the show at the last minute. Yeah. That now I'm 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 I have something that I'm over anxiety. Still nervous. I'm nervous before any show I do. Sure. Um I have a routine that I go through on the day that I'm performing. But the anxiety, if you can control the anxiety, you're, you're much better at not just comedy, at singing, at speaking, at whatever it is you're trying to do where you're gonna be in front of a crowd. You've mm -hmm. got to control the anxiety. How do you c control anxiety? Simple thing, you need to be prepared. Mm. You can't say some nights, I'm just gonna walk up and do, do. some nights you better have a show. You better yeah. be able to pull the show out your pocket. Cause right. it might not be you. You might be in front of a lot of stiff necks and their wives have, have made them come to the company party. They didn't yeah. wanna come. So they looking at you like, can we get this over? <laughs> and then you start and if you get them, it changes the room, it changes mm -hmm. the, by people are feeling better. It's something about comedy. See, the thing about comedy is you can't be angry and you can't have hate in your heart and you can't be mad when you're laughing. Yeah, definitely. All that goes away. I was gonna say, I thought you were gonna say, as a comic, you can't have, you can't be mad. And I'm like, I feel like there's angry comics. Oh, but. I have days when my comedy, at one period of time, I was, I, I see, you go through different sets. Yeah. At one period of my life, I think mid-40s or something, I was angry about a lot of things. Um, and so it came out in my comedy. I became harder in my comedy. But I had to get away from that because there's so many comics that are like that. Mm -hmm. So I said, I got to find me. When you, the heart transplant changed Carl Strong. That's when I became Carl Strong. Okay, so in 2013. May 8th, 2013, you never forget that day. Yeah. You know, I'm white now, I got a white heart. Really? <laughs> I tell the police that, I'm white, don't shoot. I'm, here, you can look. <laughs> Take my chair, look. <laughs> no, I got this it. This is a picture I, of where it yeah, came from. <laughs> I did that one time, man, he thought it was funny then for a minute. <laughs> but um, what happened is the heart transplant, you don't think you're gonna survive, so you're, you're um, Things that you thought were important are no longer important. Things that you thought, this is, you know, all that stuff goes away. All your fluff, mm -hmm. all your fluff goes away. 
and you get a clearing and I thought I was going to die but I'm gonna tell you something it's something about when you think you're gonna die that really clears you I, I would have died a peaceful death because it, it was a clearing. I knew now that my life was not to be some superstar on stage. It was not to have a whole lot of money and have cars and jewelry, which I got all that already anyway. Yeah. That wasn't it. What it is is God gave me a gift to, um, what word can I use? To settle people, to bring people in. Sure. To make people for 15, 20, 30, 40, hour, hour and a half, forget the electric bill, forget the kids, forget I'm finna leave you, forget my partner's cheating on me, forget we ain't got no money to go shopping with. We're just laughing. Mm -hmm. And so when you laugh, when you come out of it, I think you, have, you see things a little better. So before the heart transplant, did, did you kind of feel like, oh, I need to like make it in some way to like Oh, it's the driving fulfilled. force. Yeah. And this is during the... 80s and 90s this is when you had to get on the tonight show you had to be on the johnny carson tonight show mm -hmm. or they didn't even consider you a comic uh it was back then though the beautiful thing of, i miss johnny carson <laughs> a week before i was supposed to go on the show he died i was in las vegas performing wow. at the tropicana and, but listen you had to get on these shows and you had to be tight and it was just so competitive. Mm -hmm. You had to hang out with the right people. So I was out, I'm in Wisconsin. <laughs> and I hated LA, I moved out there. Not that I hate it now, I hated me living there. I didn't like LA, sure. too much, too busy. The, the highways were crazy, mm -hmm. but t you had to do these big comedy clubs. Well, I didn't know you don't start in the main room. You start in, the, they have two or three levels of rooms. Mm -hmm. You start at the bottom. <laughs> right. You don't get on stage till 1.30 in the morning. What were the venues that you were? I was at the Comedy Stop in the Comedy House. Okay. I was at, uh, uh, right on right on the strip, right on uh, right on the strip, where Richard Pryor got made, did his uh, his first album. I, I was, uh, I is that the comedy store? Mitzi Shore the is comedy the lady store. who owns it, yeah. Yeah, I think that's Name comedy. some comedy clubs in LA. I think it's the comedy store. The comedy store? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Met Eddie Murphy there, met Sam Kennison there. Wow. Met, met uh, Arsenio Hall before he hit. Wow. The, the, Wayne, the Wayne, Wayne brothers and I used to hang out in the back. Nice, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. A long um, time ago. We've seen the Wayne Brothers, actually. Um, How is that show? It was great. They're, well, so they did Homecoming when we were in college. That's how we saw them. But they're, the opener they brought with them, and I know this isn't what you should say about yeah. a, the Wayne Brothers show, but the opener that they brought with them was like, I remember him being like the funniest yeah. out of all yeah. of them, which is But they were great, honestly. Okay. It, was, okay. it was good. Because, see, they got a, they've got a... Um, or about them you're you're dealing with all two or three of them whoever is there mm -hmm. there's a thing happening there yeah. so i understand that but i i wouldn't think that that stand-up would be that hard that tight that sharp hitting stand-up show because they can just fumble around and mess with people and have fun yeah i think so i'm trying to like you know a little bit more about comedy than i thought <laughs> thanks um it's not the one who did the like my wife and kids. I think that's the oldest yeah. Wayne's brother. Maybe right, right. it was the two younger ones. Right, and I think it's the like skinnier one. Yeah, yeah. The other one's like really built. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was really funny. A little more tight. Yeah. And I think the the more built one headlined it, and he was kind of more fumbling around. And I yeah, think yeah. those are the two that did like white chicks and stuff. Oh, okay, those the, two. Yeah. 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 And then their opener. W or their host, I guess it yeah. was, because he would go in between them and say yeah. jokes and introduce them. He like he was a tight. Comic. Do you remember his name? No, I wish oh, I did. Because a lot of people take people out, and it's it's a lot of uh, it's comedy is a funny game because it ain't up to you. Mm -hmm. You can be the best, funnier than a lot of people you see on TV and do nothing. And then there are people you see on TV. You have to ask yourself, how did he get on the show? Yep. <laughs> I yep. used to say that about David Letterman. I couldn't believe David Letterman had a show. I remember when he first started. I remember his first show on Carson. Me and my dad, my dad would always let me watch the comics on Johnny Carson before I had to go to bed at night. Okay. That was our thing. And he would make me grade the comics. And Letterman just died. Sure. <laughs> um, and next thing I know, this guy's getting paid like, you know, big. Yeah. So. He, he had a lot of 
awkward moments that were kind of like yeah and but, then the money know. power causes problems but right for me i'm blessed because as i was telling you after the heart transplant i was calmer i was more appreciative mm-hmm. that's the word i'm looking for i was humble mm-hmm. i was humble because i know now you can go in any minute and you wasting time worrying about stuff that's not in your control is a waste of time yeah. So then I just wanted to be I just wanted to be Carl on stage. And then your creativity comes when you're calm. Mm-hmm. You, you some of your greatest ideas will come when you just in the bathroom getting ready to shave. Mm-hmm. I have came up with some lines. <laughs> I came up with some things. Or you, you know, I'm bringing a grocery in and I sit it down and I saw something and bam. Definitely. Let me go write it down. And now yeah. I can write in my head. Nice. So, is it more so when you say you write in your head, yeah. are you writing in like your imagination in English or are you acting it out in your head like through your voice? Um, when I write in my head, I mean I can hold it. Right. I can see something that I think is fun. Let me give you that. Um, if I wanted to talk about, um, God, it's so much I'm trying to. If I wanted to talk about aging, I can hold that thought. And then my mind will go, this is what comes with it. Mm-hmm. Getting up, sitting down, muscles, joints, using the bathroom, gas. Right. So then I don't have to have it in order. But if I'm sincere in my presentation, and I am, mm-hmm. I'm sincere. Everything does hurt. You know, you get right. out of the bed, you know, you think you're going to walk in your hip, just gives away. And people who know what I'm talking about. They're gone. They're on the floor because I go into it. This is what happens to us. And young people don't know that. So now on a cruise ship, you've got to look at your audience really well because it's a mixed audience. Mm-hmm. So you have to have something for everybody. So the aging and the, and the life stuff is for the older group that's in the audience. The sex and the drinking is for the younger people right. in the show. So when you're, when you're talking about um, sincerity yeah. and like... Obviously, that kind of means knowing your, you have to know yourself very well because you're like, I better say something that I've felt, that I know, because that's, right? You, you would rather bomb on being honest mm-hmm. than trying to do something and it doesn't work it's or it works. Perfect. You're trying it out. But when you yourself, when, when it's you, when, when, I, when Carl Strong is on stage and I'm into me and you're, there's an aura around you, you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You can feel it when you're you. For me, it works better because now I don't have to have the page. I'm, 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 you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't need it the page It doesn't be now. word for word. Or right? I can leave the page. I'm going to do... Coming Explore here. something. Yeah, I'm going, I can take it to the... And that, it comes out of you because any thought you have, there's much more to it. Right. You just got the initial thought. And right. so being, being after the heart transplant, I wasn't scared to do that anymore. I was like, hey, here we, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. So... How do you feel like, um, how, how do you find your voice or connect to that sincerity or like what is, I know it's the process, right? It's a process, yeah, yeah. but like at what point does it start clicking? Like in, in your journey, at least. I think the heart transplant leading up to it, I was angry and mad because I was in the middle of, I was at the top of my game, mm-hmm. getting ready to go on TV. I'm with glass nine and I'm rolling. What's going on? So I'm, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. But after it, the humbleness of being humble attached itself to what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I, it took away the superstar stuff. It, it took away the, I gotta, I gotta be Steve Harvey. That's the best way to put it. I gotta be Steve Harvey. Sure. And, and so it let me be me. And now when I'm on stage, I'm really me. I'm, you like it or you don't like it, this is it. Yeah. But I have learned to judge audiences quicker you have to do that. Like the show I did across the street over there, I would not do that same show in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. I certainly wouldn't do that show in Chicago. But that's a blessing because I did an elderly's. I, I did a show for the elderly at an old folks' home. No mic, just stand up, <laughs> really stand. <laughs> and the stuff I had planned to do, I had to let it go. Mm-hmm. And so I just talked about what it must be like to be old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Gas. You know, yeah. that don't sound like nuts. You can start right there. Gas. Yeah. You know. You probably get you some know. laughs right there. Have you ever farted yeah. in the car and almost killed yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. you take it to the next. 
I mean, how many people aches and pains? You ever get up some morning and your neck just go, I don't care what you do, I'm not leaving. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can take it in the medicine. See, older people, they take a lot of medicines. And you got to watch how you take medicines. You can't be stupid. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I take 32 pills a day. When I first got my medicine, I was taking them all at one time. I couldn't figure out why I was jerking and shaking. <laughs> <laughs> About to pee on myself. <laughs> It was bad. You can't do that. You know, and you, you have to know your drugs, the blue pill, because they could turn the blue pill into a green pill. You got to know what the drug is and what it does. Yeah. And so there's so much when you're in a live audience that you can do with it. And they bring out the show in you, too. Sure. Let me say So that. you can test. You could test. You like, test a piece that you don't think is going to work and they're going crazy. And you go, well, let's stay with that. OK. OK. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, and elderly sex. <laughs> and it's clean, but elderly yeah. sex is very different than young people's sex. You know, it's a whole. <laughs> it's, you know, you got to think about it. Elderly people, you want to make love or watch Marshall Dillon? Let's watch Marshall Dillon. I'm tired. My hip is hurting. You know, my hip is hurting. Why'd you ask me that? <laughs> and see, when you're young, like y'all a young couple, yeah. and so you can squeeze her and hug her and throw your leg over her and <laughs> sleep all night. You can't do that when you get older. Throw your leg over a sister. <laughs> Why she sleep? And y'all, oh, you know, they're going to tell you, if you don't get this thing off me, I can't breathe as it is. You know, you done cracked the rib. Yeah. But it's so it's funny in, in how it is, you know. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, elder people, they got rules about sex. Yeah. <laughs> and so I do that in my show. I sure. put that in there. You know, rule number one, there will be no more talking. Yeah. <laughs> Because I can't breathe as it is. <laughs> and so you take that and then you go, and I got a few more that I won't do on the pod. But. Sure. So that's how I, my point here is that knowing your audiences and knowing your room and being able to flex to what you need. Yeah. A lot of comics can't. You can't bring a hardcore street comic into an old folks home. Right. There are comics, you ain't going to believe this, cannot work with, with, bright, with white light on. Really? They got to be on stage. They got to be in the. They got to be on stage with the mic and the light. You turn the lights on. They, they can't do their show. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but it's true. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. I feel like it seems so. I guess to give you a little context, so we saw we saw the Wayne's brothers like our sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Junior year, I started a comedy club at at Oshkosh at UW Oshkosh. Okay. Um. So we did like a student comedy show, um, and I uh, performed at that university at the theater. Really? Yeah. Nice. I live in Oshkosh, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Love it. Then Rob Schneider came the next year. That's when I started paying attention to yeah. more stuff because I joined the club just so I could meet Rob Schneider and blah yeah. blah blah. And, um, but I haven't, I haven't really done comedy since. But have go- you thought about it? It seems like you've thought. Yeah. About it. Oh, absolutely. Open yeah. mic. Do you try stuff at open? Yeah, mic? I tried it open mic once, but yeah. um, definitely want to get back. Yeah. For sure. You only need five minutes. That's what Rob Schneider said. I would tell said. everybody <laughs> that. Don't do more than five. Yeah. But do five that you like. Mm-hmm. Do five that's comfortable for you. Don't try to get up and you just got a joke and you go mess with the audience. Do five. Write five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then polish the five minutes. In the polishing of the five minutes, you'll start learning things about movement, the audience, the mic, the lights. You'll mm-hmm. start learning how to pace yourself, and you'll learn how to distance the joke or bring it together. I can control audiences that are loud and obnoxious with my voice. I know where to take the voice down to bring them to me so they can hear me. And then I know when to be powerful so you'll understand what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And you got to be able to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think you should give it a shot. You, it's in you. I see it's in you. Yeah, for sure. I definitely. Y'all can I, I be will. a team. I will. <laughs> she jokes about that shit. She does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what y'all think could be? Young love. You could do five <laughs> minutes on the things that get on each other's nerves. Because other women in the audience are going, all the women in the audience are going to go, yes! And then when he starts talking about your curling irons and all your stuff everywhere and you can't even use the sink in the morning. Yes! <laughs> that's yeah. funny um what i was gonna say along those lines is like what i'm interested in being 26 mm-hmm. is like finding your voice because that's what 
and I, you got to do it right. Yeah. And I feel like that's what this show has been like. It's allowed me to kind of find my voice and yeah. conversation even. And cause this is episode 54, you know, it's like, you know, you got to keep going. Yeah. And that's how, um, but where I'm going with this is you're talking about being able to hold an idea in your mind and you have all these threads and it's like, let's go down this thread. It's like, Oh, let's stick with that. If, if they're getting it, right no no to come out of it if it if it doesn't if it doesn't produce right so if i hit a piece and i'm talking about driving in wisconsin Mm -hmm. and they buy into it i'm finna stay in this until i run it down yeah street lights stupid people on the highways being stopped by state troopers people that just pull out on you i could do 20 minutes on this place on your one-way streets you can see where you want to go, but you can't get there. Right. Every street puts you right back on the highway. Thank you for coming. We got enough black people here already. Thank you. <laughs> We've enjoyed it. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So um, I, I promise uh, th- there's a question here for you. Yeah. But in that, it almost seems like you're almo- you almost expand access to like your imagination you're almost like being able to see those all those threads is a skill that you kind of develop over time and you can kind of like you pull it in exactly you You have all these tools do you feel like most of those develop um or as a person obviously it's both but what's the percentage of how those tools develop from writing Mm -hmm. and from stage time again it's your life for me for me i should say for everybody for me I could write by my lifestyle, by how I was living. When yeah. I was young and into a hip thing and I was doing colleges, I wrote college stuff. When I got out of that and got in my 40s and I'm doing stand-up in comedy clubs and I'm in a national headliner. I mean, I work over Europe. I work everywhere. Yeah. Then I'm writing what I want to do because you're coming to see me. You're coming to see me. Uh, when I'm writing for... <clears throat> when I'm writing for uh, the cruise ship, that's a whole different type of writing. Because you can't do your, I can't talk about Oshkosh or Chicago on a cruise ship. Then people from everywhere. So it's almost just the amount of shows you've done and crowds you've done and times you've bombed Michael Jordan yes. style yeah. that gives you access to all those tools. That moves the anxiety away. That lets me, um, that lets me uh, investigate to probe. Tinker. I can take the piece and probe yeah. with it because I know where to cut it off at and I know how to push more of it if it's working. Yeah. But it takes years. Okay. It takes, let me tell you something, even to this day, I'm still, I'm, I'm a student of comedy. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if I ever retire from comedy, I'm going to open up a workshop and I'm going to teach it. I would love to write a book about comedy because there's a lot of things young comics don't know that I could give them. Yeah. yeah. You, were, you were telling me that um, yeah. on the phone. Yeah. And I, I hope you do. Um, and actually, like I, like I told you, I've had some young local comics on, yeah. um, and there is kind of like, it's, it's a smaller region, Northeast Wisconsin, but there's some threads of like a scene developing up here. And I hope some of the, the young comics, um, from here get value from just listening to us or, yeah. you know, so, yeah. um, so being that you do music, dance, comedy, uh, comedy um, being first. Okay. So co- that's kind of what I was going to say is like, wh- but when you see someone kill it at the highest level yeah. in terms of like performance, yeah. what blows you away the most? Is it comedy? Is it music? What's, th- what's the most just like? For me, it's the sincerity in the act in the person performing. I love a, I love a, uh, I love a comic who means what he's doing and understands it. I love a singer who's, they singing, they're singing. It, I don't like a prop act. Mm-hmm. How can I say? That? Yeah, that's a good saying. Yeah. I don't. I like. I like an act that you know. This guy, like what you said about the guy who opened for the Wayne Brothers, mm-hmm. caught you off guard because you didn't expect him. Mm-hmm. They ain't got nothing to lose, so they working for real. Mm-hmm. I like. I like the uh, the earnest, hardworking entertainer who, if the crowd ain't working, you find a way to get them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, and I like you to. For me, I think you should dress to where you're going. A lot of young comics don't. They just think it's blue jeans and a tore up shirt mm-hmm. or some tennis shoes or whatever. When you're getting started, you should try to be as professional as you can. You don't have to dress in a suit or nothing, but look look like you're an entertainer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. don't look like you're just somebody sitting at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> don't look like the open micers. Right. <laughs> That's funny. I used to learn a lot. Open mic is a great thing. I, I didn't know you had one, up, they had one up here. I would come on Tuesday night or something. I'd come. Wednesday night. Wednesday night? Yeah. Where at? Skyline. 
it's right, it's oh, right by it. it's right by the river. I've been trying yeah. to. I've worked. I you did that club a long time ago. I've done that club twice, and the person who books it is out of Los Angeles or somewhere. They're on the coast. Um, I know there's a girl that runs it, but because I was with the they other, just sold it. Did he? It just transferred to someone in Washington State. Yes, owns it yes, now. someone somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if it's the East Coast or West Coast, but somebody got it, and so they booked their headliners through that guy. Hmm. But you could feature middle. I think that, so whoever the lady is in charge, she does that. Yeah, you you know her. Yeah, I've been I know trying, the manager. I'm down the road, they could get me for a steal. Yeah, Lyle could get you. We'll we'll get you con- yeah. in contact with the manager. I would sure. love to do something there, and you know, I mean, I got a great show, so they yeah. can't afford me. I would do it because I live here. Yeah, I live. I, you don't have to put me in a hotel. That whole thing. They do. They do some local headlines yeah. sometimes, so yeah. they would. I'm sure hear you out at least. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, now we put it out there, so hopefully <laughs> somebody <laughs> have some leverage. Go, go like, tell <laughs> him you could get Carl. He's yeah. down the road <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Cool. Um, cool. Well, I think there's been a, a lot of gems in in your story. I think it's really cool that that you live in Oshkosh and you have such a rich history. And yeah. um, you're from Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee. I moved up to Oshkosh 27 years ago. My friends thought I was crazy. <laughs> they did. They said, "What are you moving up there? Ain't no brothers up there." I don't. I don't. I don't judge people by that. Mm-hmm. I'm. I want you to keep your area clean, like I keep mine clean. I want you to be respectful, and I'll be respectful. We don't have to live in the house with each other, but we need to respect each other. Yeah. And I wanted peace. And so when I moved up here, I mean, Oshkosh, 20 years ago, it wasn't nothing happening up here. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have the streets they got now. They yeah. put all those in over the last 20 years. Where I live at was just one building, mine, two buildings. The building that I was in and the one next to it. I ended up buying the building next to it. Okay. Yeah, I have a tri-level condo. Nice. But it's peaceful, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. Round the corner to any store I want to be to, and then right back. Yep. Milwaukee has changed a lot. Yeah. As most inner cities have. Mm-hmm. You know, no money, no structure, people trying to, and the pandemic doesn't help it. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand either. The pandemic, you're going to find a way to feed your family. Right. And it's sad that you have to go to different types of methods, but you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. What, uh, what was your first thought when it first hit? Like, were you kind of like, oh, this is a break? Or were you kind of like, oh, man, and what's going to happen? I had booked this year from March to December, solidly booked one of the best years I had booked since my heart transplant. All my years have been good. I'm pretty booked. I'm, I turned down some stuff. Mm-hmm. But this year I was going to run the gamut so mm-hmm. I could slow it down next year. But it was a blessing for me because... I needed a break. Sure. I needed a long break, mm-hmm. not just a, I needed several months. I need to be off from March to December. Mm-hmm. And then after December, I started going crazy again. But <laughs> I needed a long break because I'm type 2 diabetes. I couldn't take care of myself mm-hmm. that way. I'm on stage and I'm looking good, but behind that, you know, I'm fighting that. I'm a heart trans. I got to get my medicine. I'm taking my medicine. I can't see my doctors because I'm always gone. And so over the last several months here, I've cleaned myself up, got, got back. Skin is clear again. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my tone is back. I'm not exhausted everywhere I go. Uh, I'm really going to be very excited to go back out because I don't know what kind of comedy is going to come out of me. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to stay away from the politics. Yeah. And I don't do it on stage. I won't do it. If you ask me off stage, I'll be glad to tell you. Mm-hmm. But on stage, and that's the first thing out of my mouth when I'm working on a cruise ship in a comedy club. Mm-hmm. You know, we all got stupid people. So tonight, we're not going to deal with any politics. We're just going to deal with the stupid people. And you can go right into it. And people want to hear that. People do not want you coming out. Here's the thing today. If you say this name, they're leaving. Yeah. If you say that name, they're leaving. Yeah. You know, and so you just stay away from it. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah. Or, yeah, you either have to not touch it or make fun of both. <laughs> I say don't touch it because yeah. it's super hot. This is a super hot thing we're going through now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. If you could just share with me that room dynamic thing you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, like doing a room that's not a club, something that's just like controlling space and like. Yeah, it's it. When I started, <clears throat> this is another thing. When you start, when you start doing comedy, 
you don't start in a wonderful comedy club. Somebody has a bar and they want comedy and you in this corner right here, the bar, the table, the pool table, people watching TV, you, you have to, I had the ability to make you let all that go to check me out. But I would say things to them, could you cut your TVs off? Mm. You know, let me just shut the pool table down. So you start off in a whole lot of little clubs all over the country, little bitty places, and you would tie things together like you would do three or four shows through Michigan and work your way back to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And you go from Iowa uh, back to Illinois and work your way back up. You start in Charlotte, North Carolina. How do you book those? Our booking agencies. Oh. But here's the thing. To get with them people, you got to have a show mm -hmm. because they got so many people coming. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, what was the gist of your question? Um, well, you were the just rooms, talking, right before we started, right before we went live, you were talking about how um, what a lot of young comics don't know is that when there's a huge spacious room yes. and the lights are kind of on um, and there's space between the tables, yeah. you don't know that you have to approach that in a certain way. And you said, yeah. you said like establishing aesthetics, aesthetics is what you call distance. it. That yeah. means I need to, sometimes you can be uh, on a stage and the people are, especially during COVID, but they're going to be far away from you. Get off the stage, take the mic and go down and get in front of them. You ain't got to get in their face, but get up there so they can feel you and see you. Mm. When you're watching somebody who's 20 feet away from you on the stage, it's not the same effect. Comedy is supposed to be done right up on you. Mm. Theater or club and they're right up on you. And so if young comics don't see that, you got to adjust to the room. You got, you know, a lot of young comics, they just got one routine and they got it down mm -hmm. and trying to. So I would suggest to them to put that routine in your pocket. And then every week you should come up with two minutes mm -hmm. Two, you would be surprised how many comics can't do that. Just come up with two minutes so you can stay fresh. Mm -hmm. You can learn your show so good in comedy that it ain't a show no more. It's just you reading up literally a piece right. of paper. Right. So there's no gestures in it. I'm a very physical comic, too. Mm -hmm. I'm physical like Richard Pryor. I'm physical like, oh, God, who else is not Not as, uh, I'm more Richard Pryor, George Carlin, Bill Cosby. If you wrap those three up, that's me. Sure. Yeah. I studied Cosby for years. Yeah. Read his books, watched every show I needed to know because... I'm telling you when you want to do Bill Cosby, you cannot be playing and you must do it without thinking about it at all. And I don't care what anybody says, I'm going to get some pudding. And you have to be able to do it on a dime. And I used to have him in my show. Sure. Know, but his troubles, I had to take it out. Right. <laughs> because I think that's what, I, I love Bill Cosby's comedy. I love his, the stuff that he did in the world for colleges and schools, but you can't do women like that. That's just wrong. For sure. If you've done one, you've done too many. Right. You don't have to. You're Cosby. Just ask. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. But, yeah. right. It's and just... then you got Carlin. Carlin, as Carlin got older, his show got so hard. I seen him in Maryville, Indiana, and I said, I don't want to be that type of comic. Mm -hmm. I mean, his show was blistering hard yeah <laughs> you know it used to be funny and choky intense. and it was blistering <laughs> i'm sitting there and he was hitting the gay people so hard you uh, gotta lighten shit. up today you can't yeah. you gotta let people be themselves yeah you know a joke or two and then let it go he yeah. was doing this thing on strong names uh when he was coming up it was bob, bob uh, and don and jim and larry and now <laughs> and so he's giving all these gay names and i was like yeah i walked out to show Walked out the show. Sure. Saw Richard Pryor's last show, but he had the um, the disease. What's it called? The Parkinson's. Okay. And it was bad. Okay. And the room was packed, but you can't laugh. I mean, he's funny. The stuff he's doing is funny. Yeah. But I remember the old Cosby, and I'm like, are you just out here just to make money? Why are you out here? Yeah. You can't even hold yourself still. There's no need to do yeah, that. Yeah. I heard Pryor, well... Yeah, I've heard prior at the end was kind of. It was, it was, I was. I, I didn't care for that. I walked out of that show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of them people. If I don't like a movie, you can keep my money. I'm gone. Yeah, that's a that's a superpower. <laughs> I mean, why not? Like you said, you work on at the beginning. You're like, w I work on time. Yeah. I think uh, 
Were you always that way, or do you think you developed that mindset? Cause I, I think developed that. I used to be like most comics. I, but when you, when I was younger, comic, I could ad lib well. Now, when I say ad lib, I mean I could look at the audience and pick on some people, and then I'll throw some thoughts in of the day or off the news or whatever that thing was happening. Mm -hmm. Throw that in, and you just make a, a big uh, stew of whatever you got. Mm -hmm. That works on small level comedy clubs, but when you go into L.A., New York. When you go into danger fields, you go to the comedy store. You better have your game together because the other comics are there. Mm -hmm. And for every time a comic is not getting prepared, there is a comic getting prepared. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so. So that, like, when you say at the beginning when you're like, um, I was, like, I work on time, yeah. basically. Like, just, like, I got to get ready for the show. I got to. I got a routine. Yeah. yeah, and it's a t it's timed out to the show, and okay. if I break it, it breaks my it. I think this is some kind of psychological thing with me. If I don't my routine, I get up, I get myself together, I do what I need to do, I get my comedy nap in, I got my stuff laid out, I know what I'm gonna do, uh, I go over my material, and then I'm ready to go do the show. I can't have any breaks in there. I don't talk to nobody. I ain't got time. To, I used to. I can't take nobody with me. The only person I could take with me back in the day was my manager. My wife thought it was a party, so I couldn't take her. Uh, my friends, they was tripping because we was in these beautiful, wonderful places, and they couldn't believe it, but I couldn't concentrate. Right. And uh, concentra concentra you got to be able to concentrate at a level that won't give up on you. There are a lot of, have you ever heard somebody trying to speak and then they just stop? Mm -hmm. That's deep. Yeah. I had that happen one time. And at the last second, it came out. I'm on national TV. I'm on NBC. Yeah. What a uh, Marriott Hartley show. I was doing the morning show. Yeah. Nobody told me the whole audience. The whole audience was Chinese. Okay. <laughs> they couldn't speak. <laughs> Nobody told me. So I'm standing up doing this stuff, and all these people, they just looking. They're not smiling. They're not frowning, but they're just looking. I, I, I don't know what happened to me. And my manager yelled at me from behind stage. He said, stop tripping. And a few other things. Stop tripping? Yeah, stop. That means get out your mind. Yeah. Get out your mind. They Just do it. Because now you can't work for them. Work for Hartley and the other people there. Right. It takes, you got to drop that ball a hundred times to pick it up. Yeah. You got to drop a joke that don't work a hundred times. You got to walk into a place knowing this ain't going to work and, and blow it up. And, and make it mess up. And then, after a while, you can I can walk in the room and tell you what we're going to do with the lights, what we're going to do with the sound, what we're going to do with everything. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Are you still with us? How does it sound? It sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, speaking of not being able to talk, right? No. Sometimes that happens. No, I just, I think... That's that's awesome. Uh, Comedy is a very powerful tool. Definitely. And everybody doesn't get into it. But I think it's it's a way out. It's a way out for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. A lot of comics have problems. And, and the comedy is their release to it. And if you respect it and you try to do it, you should do it for real. And another thing, people, some people that you've seen, even at the open mic, mm -hmm. you ain't gonna never be funny. <laughs> You should tell them. <laughs> not, not tell them to hurt them. Right. Either you work Razz on yourself. Them. Because this is a waste of time. You have a lot of people, they don't want to be comics. They just want to be seen. Mm -hmm. They want to be with the cool comics. They just, you, you know the ones I'm talking about. They floating in. They got a little bit of something, but they ain't really. Right. They're not, not serious about it. it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you definitely can tell. 100%. But yeah, I think it's funny because like... It, Maybe there's more to it, but comics always talk about comedy as like comics have problems. It's a it's a way out, but yeah. I think we all have problems, and art yeah. form is can be a way out for anybody if you're if you can lean into it or like meet it halfway or something. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's different forms of it. Um, you just said something I thought was important, and I'm at that age. My mind just said I'm gone. <laughs> um, God, I wish I could. I, you just said something a second ago, and I thought that was very important. Meeting an art form halfway, or well, um, um, we all have problems. <laughs> we all have problems. So you got to be able to see through that 
See, most comics, they, they problem, if they dealt with their problem, they couldn't do their comedy. Mm-hmm. So you can't let that be an excuse. You got to work your way through it. Mm-hmm. It just depends on what level. You got a lot of comics. You know, we was talking earlier. Some people just want to be stars. Right. They just want to have a Steve Harvey show. Yep. They want the suits and the clothes and the cars and the women. Yep. Some comics don't want nothing. You don't even want no money, and they're good. Mm-hmm. And you see them on these things. It just depends. Comedy is like life, like people. You, they come in all forms. Yeah. I studied Richard Pryor before I got to Cosby. I was so so Richard Pryor, but he was so blue. Mm-hmm. And my mother came to see me, and she walked out of the show. <laughs> And I had to hit her on the way out. <laughs> i never forget that. And when I got home, she was crying. She said, I didn't raise you to talk like that. I said, Mom, it's just a show. Yeah. And after that, I started toning down, turning, turning, toning down. And also, I have a good relationship with the Lord. I love God yeah. because I know what he can do. And so that kind of, that, that helps. Mm-hmm. You know, people can see the honesty in me. They, I hope they can. They can see the realness in me. I'm not playing Definitely. comedian. Yeah. This is what I do. Definitely. You're very genuine. Um, I try to be. Yeah. So before before uh, we end, I did want to ask you, mm-hmm. um, what's your take on Dave Chappelle? You know what? Up and down. First of all, his shows before the big dope thing happened to him or whatever they call that. You know, he left. You can't offer nobody $50 million and think a comic and tell him he's got $50 million before the year start, you're going to blow his mind. Yeah. Picture somebody offering us 50, 50 million right now. And we have to split it. Yeah. I would, you wouldn't see me. I'd be on my way to Jamaica. <laughs> I'm gone. So, but before then, very powerful young man mm-hmm. because his style was awkward. You have to get into Dave. He's what I'm talking about, about you finding your style. Yeah. He found his style early, but he wasn't like traditional comics. He wasn't an Eddie Murphy. He wasn't a, a, a Cosby. He wasn't a Richard Pryor. But he had a different, he had this yeah. kind of twist. I thought he was English at first. I sure. thought he was from England. Um, but once you got into him and then his creativity allowed him to do all these characters on this TV show, still mm-hmm. having to stand up up front, but the characters, when he does Rick James, when he does Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. and he, whoever helps him write, is, they're great at what they do because they come up with things that you're rolling through the whole show. You're rolling through the whole show. Mm-hmm. You don't get that that often. Yeah. And then when he went on hiatus for a while and came back, I saw a different person mm-hmm. in his face in his mannerisms, uh, couldn't stop smoking while he mm-hmm. was talking. Um, I saw a different thing. I think the money, I guess that much money would do something to you. Uh, I don't know how it affected him, but when, I, when he came back, it wasn't the same. That's why the show didn't continue. Do you think it's the money or like the perception or something? Like the pressure? I think he saw some things. No, sometimes you see the money and then you don't see the world till you get the money. And then you get the money, you see all these fake people around you. Mm -hmm. People are calling you who ain't called you since high school. Your family's trying to do stuff. You got all this money. Uh, You don't have to work another day in your life. mm -hmm. How many people get that? Mm -hmm. I got enough money, I don't have to work another day in my life. And and then you, you let go. You you know, and I think he let go, and I think he let go too much. Sure. For, right away up front, or still to this day? No, now I, now he's coming into another person now. Yeah. He's coming. Uh, the Black Lives Matter thing is bringing him, it brought it, it's bringing him into another focus. A lot of comics are coming into another focus now. But I saw his stand-up show not two months ago. He did an outside show, one of the early uh, comedy shows that you could do d- during the pandemic. And yeah. I watched it. And it was I, really short. He, uh, no, he did about 35, 40 minutes. Oh. But he, his thing wasn't, uh, I don't want to say it, it was, wasn't funny. It was politically driven. It was politically driven. Right. And so the comedy I saw that was. Too, or most of and it. so he was, there's little bits of funny in there, but it's very serious. And mm-hmm. to present it that way, you have to look serious. So he wasn't the Dave Chappelle we're used to looking, used yeah. to looking at. Yeah. You know? That's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're looking at that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. When you look at it from a very in the moment standpoint. But yeah. I think it was good. Whatever he's going through now, whatever he's coming into now, I think it's going to be good. I think I I see him having another show one day. Mm -hmm. He's got to do a roundabout, a 360. Yeah. He's he's on his way. He's on a good journey. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate that take. That's 
That's cool. Um, do you do any any kind of like where people can follow you? Yeah, you can go to my website, comediancarlstrong.com. Um, comediancarlstrong.com. Yeah. And it'll bring up all my stuff. You can look at my videos. You can see the music, and you can see me on stage with the orchestra, and you can see the different stand-ups, and you'll see different people. I'll be different people because it's, it's from different times. Yeah, you know, definitely. Different times. Sweet. And, and keep in touch with Skyline, right, because we're yeah. going to get you talking to them. So. There you go. You get me in there, I'll go. <laughs> Sweet. We'll definitely try. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Carl. Well, it was my pleasure to be here. This yeah. is very interesting, and it was real. I hope people got something out of it. Yeah, me too. I you think. know, there's a lot more. We'll have to do this again some other time. I'm, I'm down 100%. Yeah. Because there's, there's so much to cover, and we Definitely. tried to cover. I touched on everything, but each individual thing really could be stretched out. Oh, for you sure. You can't get to it all in, in a short period of time, but it was really cool to be here. I'm, yeah. I've had a wonderful time, and you have such a lovely assistant. <laughs> She's all the nine years old. <laughs> she looks so young. We'll we'll invite you to. Uh, How long have you been married? To the young love. We got married in November, but we've been together for over seven years. Oh, what college did you go to? UW Oshkosh. Oh, okay. I graduated from yeah. UW Whitewater. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm 13 credits away from my doctorate. Really? A master's in psychology. Look at you. Yeah. At Whitewater, too? At Whitewater. Nice. I went, I was, this is a funny story. I was leaving. I was going on the road with a man by the name of Teddy Pendergrass. He was a superstar. Him and Michael Jackson was the hottest two acts in the mm. country. I'm going to open for him. We got buses loaded. We're two, getting ready to go on tour. He had a car accident. Broke his back in half. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting story. I'll just leave it right there. Okay. <laughs> uh, he broke well, his back in half, and that killed the tour. And so I didn't have anything to do, so I went back to school. Sure. And that's how I ended up with my master's. Okay. I didn't. I had, I had spent a lot of money on clothing and everything, and then yeah. I had to take it all back. And Damn. so I went back to school. And, Dang. You know, you never know. So many more stories, right? So many. Stories. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Carl, and. Uh, Peace. Have a good one. Here you go. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It truly means a lot to me. 